dear Sufi friends, what a beautiful preparation these walks with Masifas before the talk about the golden ideal, different aspects of it, and God's reality. I would like to go back for a moment to Holland, to the Universal Murat Asil, our universal temple in the dunes. When you enter there, you find founding stone which reads, the soul is blessed with the impression of the glory of God whenever our lips praise him. Saying of Hazrat in Adhan. That makes it very clear how important it is to praise God. And that's of course what we do in the Universal, in lectures, in universal worship, and what we do here. But that idea of the importance of praising of God is not very fashionable now in our culture. There is rather a tendency to be afraid of the name of God, to avoid it as much as possible. Why is that? There are different reasons for it. I think a very important aspect is that the traditional idea of God as presented in Christianity, for example, is difficult to um, bring in harmony with modern scientific understanding because that is an idea of God as a being far away from us, high up in the sky and uh, dominating fearful we fear it and also that in the different religions there seem to be different ideas of God and there have been conflicts about it all the time all these things don't appeal to modern people and it is for that reason that Hazrat Inad Khan introduced the concept of the God ideal. I think it's very important to understand that and to see how that could solve this problem and enable more and more people again to receive the blessing of praising God. He does that by saying we should each make our own God ideal, an ideal that inspires us as much as possible. That is the idea. But we must at the same time realize that this is only an image, an ideal. It is not God's reality. That reality is far, far beyond anything that we can intellectually understand or express in words. 
but it helps us to come in contact with that reality. Therefore, our God ideal must not be rigid and unchanging. It must be flexible and evolving with our understanding. Laat gaan, uh, compares it to a staircase on which you can climb up and your God ideal becoming always, as you go, more spiritual, more refined, more subtle, reaching up more and more to God's reality. That is his idea. So it is a very important task for us all to build our God ideal. This understanding that we all have to make our own God ideal solves the problem of these fights between religions because they have different images and different ideas, which is all only an idea. God's reality is one. That is the important thing. Now, in the Sufi prayers, we find different aspects of the God ideal. And these aspects can help us in building our God ideal, understand it better, get a better um, insight into what really God's reality is and what is the relation with our life and our society. When we take some, the first great prayer, we see there, uh, praise be to thee, most supreme God, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-pervading, the only being. There we have a very important mystical aspect. Omnipresent, all-pervading, the only being. That is such, these are such important words, such a fundamental understanding here. We must think about it deeply to grasp that, let it penetrate our thinking and our heart. Omnipresent, all-pervading, the only being. Only a few words, but there's so much in it. All-pervading, in everything, in the whole of nature, in ourselves, in other beings, everywhere that is, and because it's everywhere, it is the only being, the only existing reality. It is within us. That mystical God aspect is so clearly in line with modern scientific thinking. When we think of the important concept in science of the quantum vacuum, the idea that all matter consists of microparticles in 
an area which seems to be a vacuum, nothing. And these microparticles are only very small and related to each other by certain forces, uh, universes in themselves. But now science has found that that quantum vacuum is not empty. On the contrary, it is full of energy, an all-pervading energy being in everything. And it appears that these microparticles creating matter are constantly created out of this energy. And they can also disappear in, into it. So that energy has the creative aspect. And it is clearly also all-pervading, omnipresent. As it is in everything, giving life to everything, it is the only being. That idea of the only being, that nothing exists but God. And of course, we try to realize that in our zikr. But we can never think about deeply enough. <coughs> we see it in the mystical texts of the great religions. There is the text in the Bhagavad Gita which says, Undivided, it lives in all beings as though it were divided. Undivided, as though it were divided. That is a very beautiful, paradoxical way of expressing it. And of course we have the, the most mystical text from the Christian scriptures. In him we live and move and have our being. So, it is within us. But what is it? Where is it in us? That we can ask. Now, of course, we know it's not our body. That's an instrument we have to experience this life. It is not our psyche <coughs> with all our thoughts and feelings that pass and change and all the time. We think often that it is our personality that has developed in our life through our experiences and impressions which we keep in our memory gives us a certain way of reacting and feeling and we identify with that. But that is the big mistake that we make for that personality is also built out of impressions that have come from outside, from the world around us. And there come new impressions, constantly changing. So it cannot be that that only being within us. That must be eternal and unchanging. So what is it? The only thing that remains is the pure consciousness itself. 
consciousness is described in that Khan as a, a mirror in which constantly all kinds of impressions are reflected. But as with a mirror, as soon as a certain picture disappears or we turn away, it's gone, not there anymore. Constantly changing impressions in the mirror, the mirror itself remains unchanged as it was. So, pure consciousness, that is our inner being. And Khan expresses that beautifully in his book, Metaphysics, where he says, the soul is an undivided portion of the all-pervading consciousness. The same paradox as in the Bhagavad Gita. An undivided portion of the all-pervading consciousness. So, our consciousness is part of that only being. And as a mirror, it reflects all that we experience in the outer life. And mostly, we are focused on that. But then we see immediately that what is the purpose of our life, the meaning of life, is that we turn away with our attention from the outer world to the inner world, that we unite ourselves with that all-pervading consciousness, that only being, only being from which all life comes, that is inner light, that is inner love, that is creative power. So, turn within, that's a past of mysticism for the inner life, practices, prayer, meditation, but the only being is just as well also around us. In the whole creation, in nature, in other beings. So, what we hope to do as Sufis is to discover the only being, the beauty of that being, also in the whole of life around us. The outer life need not be an outer life. It can become something where our inner life is, ref is reflecting. And we see through everything the beauty of the only being. That's why as Sufis we have the idea of developing both the inner and the outer life. A balance which gives Full, fullness of life. Now, <clears throat> this all-pervading only being is also all-powerful, omnipotent, as we say in the prayer, 
all-powerful. That is saying something in this enormous creation. And again, it's interesting that in scientific terms, this is also understood. And in a very interesting book by Linda McTaggart, The Field, which you know perhaps, a survey of all the scientific developments which bring science closer and closer to religion, to mysticism, in fact, to Inat Khan's Sufi message. That says that the energy of this quantum vacuum exceeds the total energy in the whole of creation by a factor of 10 to the 40th degree. 10 with 40 zeros. So many times more than all the material energy in the universe. So that is, again, an interesting parallel with science. But we often wonder <coughs> about that uh, all-powerful aspect of God because we see in the in the world, especially in humanity, so much disharmony, so much conflict, so much pain and so much suffering. So that many people have asked how could an all-powerful and loving God allow all that? That's a fundamental question that many people in the present culture have not been able to answer push them out of the whole world of religion and belief. And what is our answer? Our answer uh, is that the all-powerful creator has created man as a free and responsible being. Free to make his own choices, right or wrong this direction or that. There's a great gift of freedom which goes together with the development of our consciousness that brings man beyond the world of the animals. Their consciousness is only directed on what they do in their outer life. But our consciousness develops and it develops further because the choices we make have their consequences. We are responsible. And these consequences show us and learn us that we made the right choices. That the choice made us hard, our heart happy or unhappy. And that's the way we have constantly to learn from our experiences, consequences of our choices. That's often the meaning of our pain and our suffering. But, so the all-powerful just allows all this. That's part of the law of the creation, the law of reflection. Everything we send out comes back to us. 
That's a law. Cause and effect. But this all-powerful being sometimes directly influence the course of events. When evolution is not according to his plan, is important, he can directly influence, change something by an accident, something strange that you cannot explain, but which is, in fact, the spirit of guidance. Now, the further important aspect is that the only being is also most merciful and compassionate. That's an aspect that goes together with all these. And it is, it couldn't be different. For as God, the only being, is within each of us, he or she experiences all that we experience. Our joy, our happiness, our pain, our unhappiness. God experiences that in his own, her own heart. And we can say that the divine heart, as Inayat describes it, really uh, reflects all that, all the feelings and experience in our heart, all together, is the human heart. And that means that the all-powerful, compassionate God who feels with all of us sometimes wishes to help. Seeing his human beings in trouble, in pain, he can reach out, help, uplift. That is a gift. That is mercy. It is not something that we can draw to us by our willpower. It's a gift which we can only be very grateful, recognizing it. The only thing we can do, says Inat Khan, is to try to develop mercy from our own heart. That when we see people around us in difficulty, suffering, that we go out and help. Not to get anything in return. Not because they have been nice to us, but even when they have not been nice. And the law of reflection should cause us to reflect something that was not nice. Mercy breaks through that law of reflection and gives from our heart. That giving, which is forgiving, opens the heart wider and wider and makes it suitable to receive the divine mercy. And then we say, God is the most merciful, 
more merciful than any human being could be. And it is a great gift. It is a wonderful thing. And then it can be that God in his mercy comes much further down to us than we in our with our limitation could reach up to his or her being. That shows what is most merciful. And then, of course, the only being is also the perfection of love, harmony, and beauty. That's our ideal also as human beings. Love, harmony, and beauty. We aim for it. We are very happy when we can feel that love, radiate it, create harmony and beauty. But we know how difficult it is in this world of so many differences, all these seemingly separate beings, so many conflicts, so many disagreeable uh, expressions. But the only being is the perfection of love, harmony, and beauty. It could not be different when we really think about it, because as that being is in all of us, living in all of us, what could be a greater love than that? <laughs> when we love, yeah, we go to another person. But the deepest love is when you forget yourself, live, identify with the life of another. That is the perfection of the love of the divine being, the only being. And the more we begin to understand, to open our heart to the divine mercy and compassion, the more we become grateful and naturally our love will then also go to that only being as the beloved. So we come to that realization that God is love and the beloved. The power that we see throughout the whole creation is the essence of our being. So, <clears throat> if I may, I would like to conclude this talk by together saying the Vasifa. Ishq Allah, Mahbud Allah.
इश्क अल्लाह महबूर अल्लाह इश्क अल्लाह महबूर अल्लाह इश्क अल्लाह महबूर
Thank you very much.